Welcome to the Leverage Ladies Podcast with Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. Each episode of this show, we will take on conversations about the biggest assets you have working for you, your team members. We will hear stories and conversations from successful business leaders, authors, and executives, and learn how they have used leverage to grow and expand to the next level. If you are looking to grow or expand your business, this is the show for you. Now, let's talk leverage. Welcome to The Leverage Ladies. This is a podcast where we have inside conversations with top experts and business owners about their journey to finding leverage, growing their organization, and achieving work-life balance. These are perspectives and stories you will not hear anywhere else. We are your hosts, Linda McKissick and Shannon Dager. We are business owners and business partners who've committed to leveraging our way to freedom so that we can achieve financial peace and have a life by design. As lifelong learners who run multiple organizations, we know that you can achieve more by focusing on building organizational support and leverage. To go along with these interviews each week, we are putting together a roadmap for you to follow along as you are implementing leverage into your business. Our speakers will be sharing documents and resources with you as well. Be sure to listen to the end every week to find out where you can find each week's piece of the roadmap. We highly encourage you to check out the resources. Now let's get started. All right. Hey, Linda, it's great to see you today. You too. How are Uh, things going? They are great. We are super excited for the Leverage Ladies podcast today. We're going to talk about one of our favorite topics, which is personality assessments. I love them. People assessments. I guess you can call it either one. I think you can talk about it. I think it's funny because as I was doing every week, we're giving a value add to everybody who's listening and putting that so that they can download it on our website. And as I was doing that, it was like hard to decide how to title it, right? It was like, because I think we went from a time when I first started studying human resources where it was like skill-based and you talked about the job and the job specifically. And now we've gone through from that to personalities. And now one of the things that you talk about a lot is like your unique gifts. And so you see the tests kind of going through assessments. We don't really call them tests anymore either. That's a change as well. So tell me a little bit about what you use in your organizations. I know that you're a big fan of of using these to talk to people and place people. And so tell us a little bit about that. Well, and I love them even so you can learn yourself, you know, because yeah. I always say the the one person in the way of my success normally is myself, right? And I think a lot of times our behavior can be our strength and it can be our weakness. And so learning how to identify your own. I mean, I've had some amazing ahas over the years by doing assessments on myself and really understanding, oh, that's why I do that. And it goes back to originally Alessandra uh, was the first one I ever did. And that's where it measures two things, how you like to deal with people and how you like to deal with tasks. And then we all graduated to the disc. Most people were yep. that one. And that one honestly taught me that as a driver, every behavior has a biggest fear. And my biggest fear is being taken advantage of. And so it made me wake up to the fact that when I feel like that's happening, I need to ask myself, is this really true? Because number one, it may not be, but it's the one thing that sends me, you know, they always say in fears to know what your trigger points are. And it's a trigger point for me. So I've learned to give myself some space and step back and say, is this really what's going on? Or are you just assuming that's what's going on, right? And so DISC has helped me a lot also. And then I've moved into specific job assessments. One was the IRA years ago. Then it went to the Caliper. And now we use one called KPA, which is Keller Personality Assessment. And what I love about the last one is now we've matched it with particular jobs in the real estate world. And so it does a really good job of 
giving the interviewee questions to ask the person that are specific red flags that they see around the role that I'm trying to put them in. So I love that part of it. And then I've fallen in love with Colby, which is something that Strategic Coach uses a lot. And Colby likes to measure how people like to take action. And so I love that one for that reason. And then, which by the way, I think you and I were talking about certifications before we got started. And I actually think I've already paid for that one. I need to just get it done in January. I think it's coming up in January. So I'm excited about that. And then my team just did uh, Strength Finders, which I had done Strength Finders years ago. And I think you said it's been renamed, but I loved how the person that did our assessment looked at the whole team and looked at how balanced the team was and how we could learn to work with each other better. So that was fun. And I think that's pretty much the ones I use. I can't think, oh, I think my daughter has had me do Enneagram. I don't understand it. Yep. Yep. I've also done print recently. I'm an eight, three on print, whatever that means. I haven't really, you know, you just run out of time. You and I talked about how we would love to spend more time on these topics, but good Lord, you just run out of time. So it's on our list, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember back in the early nineties, I think everybody was doing the Myers-Briggs test. And that was the big first one that I heard about multiple choice questionnaire. And you had to go to a psychologist to have it done. And I think it's really interesting when you study some of these tests, knowing that some of them have different levels of validation. And Myers-Briggs is the one that, you know, you have to have a psychologist administer. But things like the KPA can be administered by anybody who's trained in it and certified in it. And you should be trained and certified in it. But it's just barely a level below that of what a psychologist does. And that's how valid it is. And so, yeah. And the disc in relation to that, the disc is one level below that. So the disc is, you know, I mean, it's, it's just how accurate, how concrete are these things. But I think when we talk about leverage, we're often talking about hiring and placing people in our organization. And the thing that I found the most exciting when I first started studying these is the disc and using it in a sales role. I use it when I go out to meet somebody and you can see it from the minute you pull up to the front of their house when you've studied the disc, just by the way the house looks and what cars are in the yard and and how the landscaping is done. And you kind of can learn to tailor your approach as you walk in the door, knowing where you are and knowing who they are. And so I think it's really cool how you can utilize these things in so many different ways. I think that's funny because I remember back years ago when I was selling a lot of houses, I actually had a little assessment. I would have them and I'd say, hey, let's just do something fun so that we can learn about each other. And I would ask them to fill out a little sheet. I don't even remember where I got the sheet from, but it's a real quick sheet. Or I would listen to the languages, the words that they used and then try to treat them the way that that behavior would want to be treated. Like I'm a, I'm very direct, very to the point. So if somebody just goes on and on and on and on with me, I just glaze over. I can't handle it, right? So yeah, I remember using that in sales positions also. So it's a great tool for salespeople to understand because people want to be treated how they want to be treated, not how you are. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to be able to mirror, you know, mirror that other person that you're talking to. And so you have to be able to begin to recognize kind of what their pattern is. And and if you're, for me, I'm an, I'm a, I tune out when somebody gets super emotional, like I withdraw, that's it. So I'm just really clear cut, like don't, you put on the tears and I'm like, oh, I'm out. So I have to, if I see that in a person, I have to kind of go, oh, and breathe and like prepare for it. And it's, I call it, some people talk and, and they don't listen. And I call it sitting in the silence. 
for me, yeah. the silence is that emotion, you know, like, well, and that, you know, of course, this is where all, all my training helps me in those situations, because it is a very awkward when someone gets emotional for me also, because I'm, I'm pretty logical also, but I've learned from fierce conversations, let silence do the heavy lifting. And I've learned from having a daughter who reminds me all the time. I'm not, I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. <laughs> so yes. that's helped a lot too. Yes. And you, I have the same thing. My daughter <laughs> says the same thing to me. And um, sometimes I'm not really great at that. I'll be very honest. Sometimes she'll say, mom, I just want you to listen. And I'm like, but you know that I'm your mom. Like I'm not your therapist. I'm not here to just listen. I'm here to guide. And, and so I have to really take that into, I think that we find that you mentioned that when you took your first one, you learned some things about yourself. And we talked in a previous episode about getting vulnerable and how it helped you connect. So share with me something that you learned about yourself. And let's share that with listeners because I think that there's a lot, just even you not being, you being more of an introvert. I don't think most people see you that way because we see you on the stage and we see you, you know, living this wonderful life and talking and teaching. And and so tell us something that you learned about yourself. Well, that's exactly one of the things that I learned is I am an introvert and, but I'm an extrovert if I'm doing something for a task or a reason. And uh, it has to feel like it's, productive. In other words, purposeful, purposeful. So I don't go to a lot of parties unless there's entrepreneurs there that I can talk to <laughs> now, we'll go to those parties all day long. But just to put me in a room with a lot of people that I don't really have anything in common with, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do very well at that. And the other thing it's really helped more than anything, Shannon, is what roles I need to stay away from. In our company, we have a role called operating principal who is more direct, more about mm-hmm. results, blah, 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 blah. And then we have a team leader who is more like a CEO and more well-rounded person that wants results, but they also love to do it through people and lots of people fill them up. And so yeah. I can't do that role because lots of people drain my energy mm-hmm. if we're not getting results or <laughs> different things like that. So more than anything, I think it helps you guide yourself on which roles would be a really good fit for you and which ones really, because no one can modify who they are for long periods of time. I think we mentioned this another time. So I want to put my own self in the right roles that give me a better chance to succeed. And I want to put other people in the right roles. So number one would be more about my sociability is, it's so funny. I remember years ago when Press, who now works for me and is about to turn 30, he was in the back seat. He was probably 10 or 12 and his guy friends were talking in the back and and one of them said, you know, you know how girls like to talk all the time and and boys just like to be silent or something like that. And Press thought about it for a second. He said, yeah, except my mom doesn't mind silence. And it, you know, it's so true. I just, silence does not bother me, right? And so, especially for myself, right? And so it's just funny how, to me, the more you learn this stuff about yourself, you can really think through a role and say, how much of that would be, I need a smaller group of highly effective people to work with five to seven, as long as they're highly effective, but you start putting me with a larger number than that. I'm going to go home drained, demotivated, you know, it's not going to feel very good. I'm probably not going to be very good at it. Right. So I'd say that was number one. And the number two thing was what I said earlier, learning that as a fear of being a driver, the number one fear is being taken advantage of. That's not always going to be accurate just because I feel that way. And I'm going to make some really not good choices on what I say or do if I always think that way. So how can I really step back and ask myself, is this really true? And where's the facts in it? Or is it just something that I think is the truth and it's causing me to act in a way that I probably would regret later, right? So those two things have probably been the best. And then lack of detail, you know, that shows up in behavioral assessments too. So 
actually, I don't think the assessment measures how bad I really am at it, but so that I know that I can't, I got to stay away from roles and I got to have a lot of people around me that have that detail. Yep. I would think your assessment and mine is very similar just based off of what you said. I too am drained at the end of the day. And it's interesting how we choose partners and whether they're the same or different than us. And Tom, my husband is, whew, man, he is the extreme extrovert and he has more energy at the end of the day than he does at the beginning of the day. And oh, um, because he's talking to people. <laughs> We have to stay late at night. I have to, I always say less words, buddy, less words. Like, I can't do it. Oh, it's so funny you should say that because I have a mug beside me that's in my bedroom, right beside my bed that says, it's way too early for you to be saying so much. Exactly. I have several of those. They ask what all my kids give me. I need more coffee before we have conversation. Like, you know, and the cup mugs that say, not far enough, not far enough, not far enough. And it goes cup empty and it's like, okay, you can talk now. Um, the one that says, put it on Facebook at one time and lots of people loved it. It says, organized people are just too lazy to look for things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. So tell me about, so the Colby test, so we talked about that a little bit and that's your favorite. And so, you know, that's a 36 question test and that's measuring natural instincts and talked about looking for methods of operation. And I think the three different things that it measures are cognitive with natural intelligence, effective, the ability to utilize emotion and cognitive, the instincts and the method of operation. And I think that it's a really cool and unusual test in comparison to some of the other ones that we've talked about. What do you find the most valuable when you're getting those reports back? Well, one of the main things is because I'm like a nine on the quick start, people are going to tend to be too slow for me. I mean, Yep. And so I have to really take that into consideration when I'm putting someone in a role right next to me. If they can be one away or something different, it's okay. But if if no one's ever fast enough for me, right? <laughs> you know, I haven't hired a 10 yet. I've got a, quite a, a couple of eights around me, which is Press and Jimmy. I don't it's know. so funny you give Press and Jimmy an eight. <laughs> Well, they are an eight on the Colby. Okay. okay. I'm not giving them an eight. They actually are an eight on the Colby. That's good clarity. I don't, I don't know what Anna's is. I think hers is pretty high too. So in my immediate world, I got to have people who take action pretty quickly, but I also want people around me who don't take action so quickly because they're going to say, because I'm ready, fire, aim, I'm going to get into some messes that if I'd have just taken a little more time, we probably could have avoided. So I need some of those people around me to kind of pull back. I just don't, there's a certain combination, like they can't be that way and be super negative because that's not going to work, yeah. right? Yeah. They have to be solution oriented and slow to take action because <laughs> yeah. they have to do a little more research. They're going to have a little more follow through. And to me, the follow through is very interesting too because yeah. I have a million ideas. And it's funny because I wouldn't say I don't have follow through, but I don't when I look at the number of ideas that I have. I get a lot right. done. But it's because I have a lot of ideas and enough follow through to get a lot of them done. So follow through is super. It's something else I look forward to bridging with myself is somebody with a lot of good follow through because they're the implementers. I'm going to come up with the ideas and they're going to get really get it pulled out and done. Well, it's interesting because Colby says that their test provides an opportunity to unlearn certain behaviors and beliefs. And so that's kind of what you're saying is like, I'm I look forward to un, kind of unlearning that or to, you know, changing that. And that is different than some of the, the way the other tests work is they're not specifically set so that you can unlearn your, yourself. And you've got to have a great team. you got to have all kinds of people around you 
You do. And you want to stack it with more, all more people just like you. So to do that, I have to learn how to work with those people and appreciate their strengths, right? So I love that. I didn't even, which I take my certification with them, I think in January. So I'll know a whole lot more then, which so, I don't need to know a whole lot before I start giving them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Which is what my assessments say. She just will go and then somebody will say, well, what is that? I have no idea. <laughs> just pick it up along the way. Somebody will pick it up along the way. Somebody comes along. That's the part about having a good team. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, do you have a certain makeup of team members that you have found that with any of these that you find brings that balance? Because I know you and I spoke and you said you have a really great balanced team right now. So what does that look like? Well, I think it looks like in the kind of empire builder roles, I have mm-hmm. things like competition, achiever, futuristic, those kind of people and like high responsibility, things like that. And in the support roles, we have more like analytical, other opposite things, right? Yeah. The rest of the team doesn't have. So I think that's where you get balanced. Is- yeah. Relationship, strategic yes. versus yes. influencer and executive. Yeah. So that's getting more to the, and that's a great, great segue to talk about what they now call Clifton Strengths, which is what most people refer to as strength finders, which strength finders has been around for a long time, but it, now it's seeing like this resurgence in interest all of a sudden, like it's kind of the, kind of the hot thing that everybody's using in the past couple of years all over again, now that they've rebranded themselves and kind of updated things. And so strength finders organizes your strengths into 34 strength themes that have four topics, strategic thinking, relationship building, influencing, and executing. Can you see those things in each member of your team now? For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who would you say is your strategic thinker? We're going to call them out. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. And I'm trying to remember because I got it on a graph. I want to say press was pretty high on strategic, like in his top five. Yep. And then relationship building. Yes, his, do they call it relationship building or they call it something else? Let me see what I think they, I had a, Press and Anna were both activators. Anna had communication. Yep, I can see that. She's a very thoughtful communicator. She's a very, you know, intentional communicator. Well, and what's funny is just recently when they were at the house, she's like, we need to have a meeting. (laughs) And when I, (laughs) oh, that's why she needs to have a meeting. I wouldn't find communication probably even on my chart. Right. I'm like, we're just, let's just do it, right? You're like, we have to have a meeting? Really? You don't, you don't, I'm I'm already down the street. (laughs) I trust you're doing it. I trust I'm doing it. Let's just go. Yeah. Uh, That was kind of funny because I kind of laughed about that. Press had significance pretty high. Let's see. I was looking for the one that... It was activator, command, communication, competition, maximizer, self-assurance, significance, and woo was influence, a part of the part that says influence, mm-hmm. relationship building. That's the one maybe we're looking for. Adaptability, connectedness, developer, empathy, harmony, includer. And I want to say Press was, I'm surprised he didn't have harmony his whole life. He's been trying to make sure everybody has harmony, but... I can see a few of your people crossing a couple of those paths together, you know, and they probably fill in the gaps in the way that they work together. Yeah, press was pretty much achiever, focus, activator, competition, self-assurance, and significance. He's been having to fill in your details. Yeah. And then uh, (laughs) Anna was more focus, responsibility, which God bless her. Responsibility is a tough one to have. If you forgot to call somebody back that day, you're going to not sleep that night. I hate that one. I have that one high, real high for me. It's number one. Mm -hmm. Achiever, let's see, communication, competition, and maximizer. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, and again, I think you need to think about the role that you're going to put them in, 
right? So how do you decide which one you're going to give, which, you know, assessment you're going to give, or do you give the same assessment to everybody? I like them all, as yeah. many, especially if it's a real important role. I want as many of these as I possibly can. Because I am a quick start, I need to give myself as much space and time as possible to really think through what's making me want to go fast on this. Do Let I really- me ask you this. This is a question that a lot of people won't ask, but I think a lot of people, small businesses, especially people starting teams, will think about what about the cost of them? So one of the value adds we're putting in the download is the link to all of these different tests that we're talking about. So you can go and get them and take them for yourself. Some of them are even free. And then there's you know more thorough paid versions in there. But but when we talk about like wanting the full test, I can see a CEO or a, a new agent that's ready to take on their first admin hesitating to spend too much money on these. I mean, and they're not a lot, but you know, it adds up, especially in a shift. $50 and a test is times yeah. four, whatever you give them. What do you think about that? I think they haven't looked at the cost of the bad hires enough yet. (laughs) So that would be one thing. The reason I've done more over time is because the cost of a bad hire outweighs any upfront cost I might spend. And then the second thing I would say to them is pick one and give that one. And if it gives you the green light, move forward to another one. That's a great, that's a great tip. And I, I will say this too. I think take one and really learn how to administer it. Because I saw a KPA come across my desk the other day that somebody had ordered and they they weren't trained to do it. And it was ordered at the wrong time frame. And, and, and so when I looked at that, I was like, well, you need to have training to do it and really understand it and validate it properly. You shouldn't just give out any of these tests without studying them and reading them because you don't, you're not doing a fair service to the person on the other side, right? And so... If you can't work through it with them and validate it properly too. So I'd say study one and get understand it truly to get the value out of it. But mm-hmm. I also agree with you. $50, $100, $200 is such a small drip in the bucket when your employees are your biggest asset. Well, and you wouldn't give it to them till you're pretty far down the road with them. Right. You're not going to give all these up front. You're going to have the phone interview. You're going to do all these other things first. So this is when you really kind of boil it down to maybe a couple of candidates and you really right. want to make the best decision. That's when I would start spending the money. And I agree with that too. And I think that's another thing that's really important to say is that I have also seen people get a resume and send a test. And that's not the order of things. And no. it shouldn't be done that way. And so that phone call first is really important. And so, yeah, I agree. Get a little further down the road and then and then administer a test and an assessment. I have to be correct now. It's an assessment because, and it truly is an assessment because none of these are saying you're not good for a job or you're not a good person or you're not a talented person. They're just talking about where your natural strengths are, where you know you can fit best and where you won't feel so stressed in a role. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that this is great. And I love sharing this with you. I know that it's a passion of both of ours. And I think for me, I have seen success and failure from doing them and doing them well and doing them right and failures when we didn't take the time to do them right. So or didn't listen to them. And tried to fight through the path, you know, and said, oh, no, that must have been made an excuse for how it wasn't quite accurate. But in the end, it turned out to be pretty accurate. So thanks for sharing this about your business and everything that you've got going on. Is there anything else you want to share with everybody that's listening? I would say maybe start with your own assessments first. That way, one, do you do two things? You begin to understand yourself better. And then you also learn the assessments because it's easier for you to understand it when it's talking about you. Then the other thing I would do is that I've done this before sometimes too, is I've gone back after a hire either 
a really good one or a not so good one. And I've gone back and looked at the stuff and say, where in these assessments could I have picked up that, yes, they were going to be a great employee or great in this spot or where would I, should I picked up that they wouldn't be? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it gets, it gets harder to see some of this stuff, but even taking great employees, or if you've got a model employee for a role and that's the role you're going to need to be filling, do some assessments on them. Yeah, I agree with you. Take it yourself and give it to your team currently yeah. and see where, it, and then we'll get into that missing person report because sometimes it might identify that, right? And so in a later episode, we're going to go through the missing person report as well. And so that'll, that might open up that conversation as well. Yeah. 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 Well, this is great. As always, thank you. Love talking to you about leverage and, and enjoyed the conversation today. So thanks to everybody who's listening and we appreciate you. Yep. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget to visit our website and download this week's piece of your Leverage Roadmap at leverageladies.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to and share this Leverage Ladies podcast with others. We would love to have you follow us on social media as well. Check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and be sure to follow us for ongoing tips, updates, and information. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is to leave a five-star review so that others are able to find the Leverage Ladies podcast. And again, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and we hope to catch you again in the next episode of the Leverage Ladies podcast. We'll see you then.